I don't believe for a second that the team thought that was coming because every report since the surgery, throughout the offseason, throughout camp and the preseason has been nothing but positive. This is in the rear view. Rear view. This isn't going to be a story anymore. And now it is. I don't think the game's over. Welcome to Triple Zeros, the anti-hot take sports show. I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website. is clockersports.com. And the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at 30spod. That's the number three zeros pod. The Chicago Bulls kicked off their regular season uh, on Wednesday night. And listen, I got to tell you, you know how I get around this time, man. I get excited. And instead of just talking about myself, because I'm going to be completely biased, I bought somebody else to help me be biased. And that is a very special guest today, uh, NBC Sports Chicago's Rob Schaefer. That is uh, Rob underscore Schaefer uh, on Twitter. That's Rob underscore S-C-H-A-E-F. And before we get any further than that, I want to say, Rob, thank you. Um, you might not know this, but I've had quite a few NBC Sports Chicago guys on. And every time I do, I seem to fumble with their with their Twitter handle because it's got some kind of like a, a, a curveball. Um, I last had Ryan Taylor on and he had the the. Oh, God, I want to say it's an S, but it might be a five. And that's that was my problem. So thank you for having a simple handle that I could follow. Yeah, I try to keep it. Uh, I try to keep it simple. I guess when I made my Twitter account, I was in high school. I didn't know that I was uh, that it was going to come in handy later that I would have a simple handle. But uh, that's that's a happy coincidence. Yeah, it's it's been. I, I'm talking about. I think Alex Shapiro got me with his. So it's been. I've been gotten yeah. a few times by the guy. So um, you can follow Read Rob on uh, NBC Sports Chicago, and you can also hear him uh, on the Bulls Talk podcast. And like I said, the Bulls kicked off the regular season with a 116-108 victory over the Miami Heat on the road, and they got a. a I want to say vintage, right? But it was just last year, so I don't know how vintage it is, but performance from DeMar DeRozan. Rob, what were your takeaways from that game? A lot, a lot of takeaways, a lot of them positive. Uh, DeMar was obviously the big one. 37 points is the most uh, scored by a bull in a season debut, not named Michael Jordan. Uh, anytime you're doing things that only Michael Jordan has done, that that's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, and like you said, Josh, like vintage, whatever the word is, he hasn't missed a beat from last season, right? 14 to 22 from the field, eight of 14 from mid range, two or three from three, even sprinkled a couple of those in at timely moments was getting and ones on the floaters and the turnaround jumpers. And, and actually what was encouraging about DeMar's usage to me too, was certainly they leaned on him in isolation scenarios when, you know, when he got rolling, uh, when he came in after his rest at the beginning of the fourth quarter, he hit a couple shots to kind of quell a, a little Miami comeback push, but it didn't seem like, you know, as stagnant or as predictable offensively from, from a team-wide perspective uh, as it did down the stretch of last season. They had five guys in double figures. They shot reasonably well from three, better than I probably expected them to, and better than they started the game. You know, they start over six. They end 36% and actually made more threes uh, than the Heat. Uh, and, and Miami, you know, whatever their ranks are, you know they've got a bunch of guys that can get hot from behind the line. Hero, Robinson, uh, Struess, uh, Lowry didn't look so good yesterday, but but he certainly has that reputation. Uh, so that was a positive takeaway. Um, I think the Goran Dragic and Andre Drummond additions, I certainly thought they were solid pickups at the time, but seeing in action how they affect that second unit and how much confidence Billy Donovan now has in that second unit where he wasn't even staggering DeRozan or Nikola Vucevic with the bench guys, which was you would never see that last year. There was always one of the Bulls' star scores um, staggered with some of the reserves. 
I think the fact that he had enough trust and confidence in guys like Dragic, Kobe White, Drummond, uh, Javante coming off the bench. Caruso started for Zach, but uh, he'll typically be coming off the bench, you know, when Zach plays. I, I, that could be a big improvement for this Bulls team. And having two guys deeper of depth is going to help with no Lonzo, obviously, for the foreseeable future and uh, as they manage Zach's knee. So Dragic, 12 points, four threes. Drummond, nine and five. Kobe uh, didn't shoot the ball well, but hit a couple timely shots. Uh, loved what I saw from them. They they blew their you know bench point scoring average from last season, which is near the bottom of the league, out of the water. Thirty seven points off the bench. Uh, so that was the, you know those are two big takeaways. And then the last one I'd say is the Bulls. I mean it's it's hard to call the first game of the season a statement win, especially because of how many uh, you know wacky kind of all over the place results there were in the NBA last night as we're recording this, but. I don't think a bull, the Bulls beat a team that good all year last year. I mean, when you look at their record against the top four teams in each conference, they were 0-4 against Miami, and they they really got blown out in the two games in Miami last year. So a road win against a team of that caliber, you know, they lose P.J. Tucker. They didn't. They looked a little sluggish. That's still a team that's going to be, you know, in the thick of it, deep into the postseason, uh, or at least you have to, you know, say that that's their body of work. Uh, so I think it's an impressive win in that respect. Um and really, you know, it felt close because of the caliber of team Miami is and because the Bulls have let a couple of those games slip in recent years. But Miami never really got within eight points in the last five minutes. Uh, I thought the Bulls' execution on both ends was great down the stretch. They forced nine Miami turnovers uh, in the fourth quarter. So I think just, you know, not only to start a season that had so many negative headlines with Lonzo and Zach coming into the year, starting off a season like that with a win uh, is certainly important. But to do it against that type of opponent that has had your number so often in the past, I think makes it even more significant. We'll get to, to uh, Lonzo and Zach in a second, but you, you kind of hinted at it there with the, 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 it started off rough. Right. And then they, they mm-hmm. kind of got themselves together. It was tied up at halftime. The Rosen hadn't even done anything yet. And then they came out and they kind of took care of business. What does that say about really Billy Donovan's ability to kind of make adjustments, something that we were kind of harping on him for last season? Yeah, I, I think they uh, adjusted well. Um, in this game, I think DeMar found his way into the game. He was getting doubled a lot early um, and, and certainly found his spots to pick as the game went along. He only had nine points in the first half uh, and then obviously has 28 in the second half. Um, certainly give Billy and the coaching staff credit for, uh, for you know, schematic adjustments. But one thing I would say about them, too, you know, I can't speak to what Miami's training regimen is coming into a season. They're obviously a very serious minded team. He culture, yada, yada. But the Bulls definitely looked as the game wore on, like the sharper, better conditioned and more focused team in that game. Uh, I think that, you know, says a lot about why they were able to win it. And, you know, I know over the, you know, since the end of the preseason, the Bulls have practiced very rigorously, very arduously. Billy has been really hammering all these new offensive points of emphasis, share the ball, move, run, you know, help each other defensively. Uh, And he really put them through the ringer over the weekend coming into the opener. I think knowing that they were going to need to be the sharper, more focused and better conditioned team uh, against such a high quality opponent. Um, so I give them credit for, for all of those things. Uh, and frankly, that resilience, that ability to take Miami's first punch where they were up 13 to four in the first few minutes of the game, heroes going crazy. Like that's a game that lasts for, for last season's bulls, especially the second half of the season after the injuries took hold. I mean, that could have easily gotten away from them, right? It's a 15, 20 point game at half. And, uh, and that's kind of all she wrote. Um, but that that wasn't the case last night. Uh, I give the coaching staff a lot of credit for that. And and honestly, I give the second unit a lot of credit because 
they kind of went with that reserve heavy lineup. I think they were down three late in the first quarter, and they basically held the deficit at that until DeRozan and Vucevic, kind of the heavy hitters, were able to come back. And then you saw them tie it up before the half and then obviously make their big run uh, in the third quarter. So top to bottom, you know, the way that they shot the ball, the way that they defended, the, you know, there were some lapses on that end, but but late in the game, I think they got the stops they needed to. And then the resilience they showed, I, I was just all around an impressive win. It, it truly was. And uh, you talked about, you know, kind of everybody coming together uh, and it's positive. That's a great thing, but there is that injury concern because I heard, your mm-hmm. colleague Casey Johnson talk about even he was surprised to hear that Zach was going to be uh, a scratch for that game. And then he's going to be out for Friday's contest as well. Hearing Billy talk about, oh, well, this is part of the plan. And then he started talking about soreness. And then I got flashback. I got PTSD from Lonzo. Is there any kind of concerns that we're not the same? Because I know Lonzo is like an extreme case, but like any concerns yeah. that this is going to be a, a hindrance for Zach this year? Uh, I'm concerned. Because, uh, you know, being around camp, being around the preseason games, obviously they were managing Zach's minutes carefully in the preseason, which made sense. You know, he, his off season, he had the surgery back in May uh, and most of his off season was rehab and he, he wasn't really able to do the kind of five on five training workouts, whatever you want to call them that he typically would do in an off season to ramp up for the season. So it made sense to manage him carefully in the preseason. That said, you know, all through camp after practices, talking to people from Billy to Zach to, you know, people, you know, with the team, the consensus seemed to be that Zach had his, I think Bill, uh, to use a direct quote from Billy, he had his athleticism, his bounce, and his pop back. Mm-hmm. Zach said multiple times that he felt great physically, that he was playing with no limitations, that he was relieved to, to be feeling better than he was down the stretch last season when he had that knee soreness that, that he then addressed with surgery. So what's concerning is something obviously changed between the end of last week, which is the last time Zach talked to reporters and, and reported feeling good, and Tuesday, when he's marked as questionable in the injury report, uh, and then obviously Wednesday, he's rolled out. He was just rolled out today for Friday's game against the Wizards. Uh, I don't, you know, back-to-backs are obviously going to be something. He'll be playing at most one of the two back-to-back games for at least the early part of the season. But what's concerning is something obviously changed in that stretch of time. And Zach, you know, I, I'm not in Miami, but, I, you know, I've seen, I've read his comments uh, that he made to reporters uh, after shoot-around on Wednesday. And he kind of downplayed the idea that there was a setback or there was a flare-up. But then, you know, Billy kind of in contradictory fashion came in, came out in his pregame availability and said, no, listen, like we had a, we had a couple hard practices uh, after the preseason finale, which Zach skipped and he had some soreness. And that that kind of led to this, um, you know, ruling him out on Wednesday and Friday. What I really don't believe, uh, which was which Billy said, was that the team was expecting something like this back to backs, I think, are reasonable. Yeah, we're going to manage it, you know, you know, abundance of caution missing the season opener. And feeling that soreness and being in a place where the Bulls are going to have to manage him as closely as it seems like they're going to. I don't believe for a second that the team thought that was coming because every report since the surgery throughout the offseason, throughout camp in the preseason has been nothing but positive. This is in the rear view, rear view. This isn't going to be a story anymore. And now it is. Um, so, you know, I think the hope has to be that. This is something that affects him maybe for the early part of the season. And it's just a ramification of the surgery. And once he's able to ramp himself all the way back up, it goes away. And, you know, he's able to proceed as normal. As it stands right now, my concern is that this sounds a lot like the ailment that he was dealing with last year before the surgery. And if that's what it's going to be like all year for the Bulls, I mean, 
I know Zach still produced at, at a at a pretty high level down the stretch of last year when you look at the statistics, but he was not the same player, particularly defensively. And if this team wants to reach its ceiling, which, you know, last night is a great first step to doing that without Zach and Lonzo, you're starting backcourt. You go out and beat the former, you know, the last year's number one seed in the East. That's a great start. But when you take the long view of a full 82-game season in the playoffs, if you don't have Zach Levine 100%, this team isn't reaching its ceiling. So for that reason, I'm concerned. Not going to, you know, say anything definitive after one game, but I and, and I think Bulls fans should be watching this very, very, very closely over the next few weeks and then throughout the season um, to see how Zach feels. Is he able to get better or is this just something that's going to be a reality for him? Yeah, I think my first hint was uh, when they announced the, the opener absence. I was like, okay, that's odd because we've had nothing. There's nothing going on. Like, you should be ready. But then yeah. immediately right after they said, oh, he's also going to be on Friday. I said, oh, this is a problem. So that's where my concern level came in. Speaking of concern level, Patrick Williams looked a lot. Also, speaking of looking like last year, he looked like himself from last year. Um, I'm sure they're going to have a lot more patience than one game with him. But how troubling was it to see after all the talk, all the hype, how much, you know, they're uh, – their improvement this season, you know, relies upon him. How disappointing was it to see him come out mm-hmm. six shots in damn near 30 minutes? Listen, of course, of course you got to get more than one game, but it absolutely was disappointing. Um, and even beyond the four points and six shots, two rebounds in 28 minutes from your starting power forward, you know, it, it, and defensively, you know, he had, a, he had a nice play on Jimmy in the first quarter. I think it was, you didn't necessarily like feel him inserting himself into the game on that end these subtle elements that Billy wants him to, to, to channel his aggression in, you know, Billy doesn't think of it as raw shot attempts or or points or, you know, for, for Pat in terms of being aggressive, he thinks of it as screen setting, rebounding, getting out in transition, disrupting defensively, even beyond the four points on six shots. I I just, I I, watching on TV, you didn't feel him in the game, even in those respects. So I think that's disappointing. He was on track to close the game and then he committed a turnover uh, with just over two minutes left. And it, it felt like Billy kind of pulled him for Dragic there. Now, the game wasn't necessarily in jeopardy at that point, uh, but that felt like a conscious decision by Billy there. So, you know, Javante outperformed him in the preseason. The Bulls started him anyway. I, th- I think knowing, you know, how important he is to the, you know, the team this season and how important, uh, you know, getting as much opportunity as possible is for for mm-hmm. for his development. That said, it, it's, it, it wasn't a good start. I think it was one of the few negatives uh, along with Zach's injury status. I, I think that was one of the, the few negatives um, from this game. And you really want to see him kind of bounce back uh, against the team in Washington who, you know, they're, they're, they're no pushovers, but it's that's not quite a caliber of team a, a, as a Miami uh, or even as a Cleveland um, on, uh, on Saturday for the home opener. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Patrick does. Um, but I, I really would implore people to, you know, the, the the shot attempts and, and the points and like how, how aggressive he is with the ball that matters, but he can still have a positive impact by being on the glass and running the break and, and being a solid screen setter. Um, so those are the areas that I'm looking at primarily for him. I think Nikola Vucevic is a great example of this. Now, now obviously they're two completely different players and Vuce is a vet. Vuce comes out, he's getting switches. He's getting guards switched onto him. Teammates aren't able to get him the ball. He misses a few bunnies, misses his first four, three point attempts. He's not shooting the ball. Well, pulled down 17 rebounds, blocked three shots and, and won the center matchup with Bam. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously he comes up and hits, you know, one of the biggest shots of the game, that three to put him up nine uh, with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. So that's the mentality. I think you would want to see from Pat. Okay. The flow of the offense isn't, you know, directing you to score your shots, not falling, find other ways to impact the game. He didn't do that in the opener. Uh, the Bulls really, really need him to do that moving forward. Um, 
And we'll see if he's able to do it. You know, again, like you said, patience for a 21-year-old and a third-year guy. But at the same time, these Bulls have high expectations. You know, they can't sit around and wait forever for him. I I noted during uh, media day, I think it was, where Billy kind of flatly said that they need him to take a next step. That was a shift in the way Billy is usually talking mm-hmm. about Pat. Usually kind of like, you know, yeah, it'd be nice, but we're just waiting on him. He was kind of like, yeah, no, we need it. So I, I felt yeah. like that was a big a shift in uh, how he looked at it. And then what made the thing, the night so disappointing to me, Again, like you said, there's other ways he can impact the game. But knowing that Zach wasn't going to be there, we've always had this belief that, okay, well, he just can't match with all three of the stars. Well, they they could have used a third guy last night, and it wasn't there. And that, that to me, was disheartening. Um, unless, we talked- they, they, unless they were staggering him with the second unit, too. And, mm-hmm. and you're right. It just wasn't there. So, you know, chalk it up to the first game of the season. If it continues, the concern grows more and more every game. But, you know, let's see what he does. Now, you talked about Kobe White uh, not getting his shot. He kind of did what you were talking about with Vucevic, where the shot wasn't falling, but he found other ways to make an impact in the game. One guy, a young guy, who start to finish has kind of showed himself and was uh, announced his presence was Ayo Desumu. How oh, impressive was it to see um, not only him kind of command the floor, because remember that was, there, there was that moment he pulled Drummond to the side, he just kind of had a, a more calmer presence than he'd had last year, but really just his overall game. like It was a really impressive debut as the starting point guard from day one, in my opinion. Listen, Ayo is fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, but it's not surprising, right? Is anybody surprised to see him put up 17, six boards, four assists, a couple of steel, like every hurdle, obstacle challenge in, in his path since he's gotten to the bulls to the point that, you know, he was at the end of the bench. He's out of the rotation this time last year. Um, and look at him now. Um, so some things I liked about IO's game, uh, I thought he was, you know, I thought his decision-making was pretty sound. Only two turnovers in 36 minutes. Um, kind of seemed to have the gauge, this stuff kind of goes beyond the numbers, but seemed to have the gauge of when to push, when to pull out and kind of let a possession breathe. I think those are good strides for him as a young point guard and um, somebody who's really being asked to, to take on a lot of responsibility in terms of bringing the ball up, getting the bulls into sets, uh, making plays for for himself and his teammates. Uh, and then his shot making. I mean, he, you know, seven to 14, three to six from three. He's talked about that he tried to speed up that shot release um, over, over the course of his summer because he shot the ball pretty well last year, but he didn't really do it on volume. And and you saw in the playoffs, he's not a guy that commands a ton of defensive attention when he's spotting up. But, you know, if he can shoot, you know, he's not going to shoot three or six from three every night. But if he can sprinkle those in and bump up his volume a little bit, but maintain a similar mid to high 30s percentage, that's going to be a weapon for him. And it makes him multifaceted because obviously we know what he is with the ball in his hands. He, he can slash um, great attacking closeouts, great cutting. Uh, pretty advanced finisher uh, for his experience level. But being able to play off of the Bulls' primary offensive options, DeMar, Zach, Vooch, by being a, a threatening spot-up shooter, especially, you know, this team needs to to bump its three-point volume um, this year, that could be a big weapon for him too. So all around, I, I was very impressed with Io. wasn't necessarily surprised. And, uh, I, you know, I, I just expect more of the same in that respect from him. I don't think he'll average 17-6-4 this year, but – Everything that, all man, the, that'd be impressive. <laughs> well, but all the subtleties, the the solid decision making, not playing outside of himself, and you know, keeping things organized. I I think he was really impressive, and I would expect those things to continue. And then you have, you know, the interpersonal stuff, that drumming thing. That's just a perfect snapshot of what coaches and what IO and what his teammates have talked about all offseason, which is that he came in as a rookie and came with respect, came inquisitive, and won a lot of his teammates' favor very, very quickly. And now in this second season, not that he wasn't vocal before, but he's even taking on more of a vocal presence, just knowing how important he is to the team's success. I thought that was a really cool anecdotal thing to see that Drummond moment 
and you kind of feel the uh, the respect that he has, um, you know, nurtured throughout the team, just in the way he plays and the way his teammates respond to him. You you touched on it earlier, uh, the Dragic and the Drummond signing. Both were kind of met with side eyes when it first happened. It's mm-hmm. one game, but they've looked good in the preseason as well. Do you think that there's a chance that they turn from being like, I don't want to say laughing stock, right? But like taken lightly to being like some of the best additions of the offseason? Yeah, well, they're the only additions to the offseason. Right? Well, not so just for the Bulls, not just for the Bulls, but like oh, in oh, general. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I see it. And what what I what I think stood out last night is is, and I mentioned it earlier, Billy not being afraid to ride with bench only units because you know you have a veteran shot creator in Dragic. I mean, he's not going to go four or five from three every night, but he's, he's a pretty reliable shooter. He's a crafty playmaker. Drummond, you know, he's he had pop in the preseason, showed it again, made all his free throws, pulled down some rebounds, got out on the break, had a dunk. I mean, you know, we knew that the backup center spot was going to be a huge upgrade with Drummond over guys like Tony Bradley, Derek Jones. Um, you know, who, you know, Alizé Johnson, you know, the, the hodgepodge of names the Bulls had there last year. Uh, and Dragic, you know, he was talked a lot about as an insurance policy for Lonzo Ball. Screw it, man. If, if this is what Zach's, at least the early part of Zach's season is going to look like, I mean, he's an insurance policy for, for Zach Lean too, in the sense that you can slide Caruso up to the starting lineup. You can fudge with the rotations a little bit, but you know, you have a, a steady presence to command offense on the second unit and get that group playing. And what I think is a, is a pretty good way of playing. They play fast. They share the ball. Um, I, you know, that group looked good in the preseason and they, they passed their first regular season test as well. So, you know, I, I think on paper, they were marginal additions, right? Which the front office itself said that they were just going to make marginal moves this offseason. So I think that's why they kind of get shrugged off a little bit. But then when the games start and you realize, oh, man, even with their starting backcourt out, this Bulls team goes nine players deep. Like That's how deep this rotation goes. I think it allows them to weather some adversity in terms of injuries that they might potentially run into this year. Guys playing inconsistently. They're just a deeper team than they were last year. And it might have gotten underrated, but people should know now that building that depth, not only having it, but also having it with veteran guys who are consistent, you know what to expect from them every night. That could absolutely be a valuable thing for the Bulls um, throughout the regular season. And, and then they hope the playoffs. Yeah, I've, I've, I was a fan of them before, but seeing them in the preseason, then seeing it, you know, when it actually counted, because in the preseason, you're always like, ah, it's preseason. They're not even really trying out there. But mm-hmm. last night, Dragic came in and was immediately effective. Drummond's energy shows, his intensity shows, his toughness showed. Um, so I, I, I definitely like both additions. Uh, we're going to wrap up with some some narratives. I want you to try to, you know, dispel or or support whichever one you choose uh, that have been okay. kind of popular for the Bulls uh, this offseason. And uh that are going to linger, I'm sure, until we get to the postseason because they just don't trust the Bulls at anything. So um, okay. we're going to start off with a popular one. The Bulls will regret not trading Patrick Williams. Will regret not trading Patrick Williams. Uh, do I agree or disagree with that? <sighs> it's intentionally. Am open I allowed to here. cop out? Am <laughs> yeah, I to- you you get whatever answer comes to you. Here's here's my problem with with the premise of it is I, I don't I truthfully don't know what they could have gotten for Patrick Williams say they decided to turn him. Now, now the easy answer is, Oh, Jeremy Grant or, you know, stuff like that. So without really having a trade offer that was feasible in front of me, it's hard to really go one way or the other on that. Plus you factor in his age and where he's at in his development. Um, I will say, I don't want to say I'm down on Pat at this point, but I, I am a little skeptical watching the way his development track has gone, obviously giving him every opportunity because of the injury he went through last year and, and being as young as he is. 
Uh, but I, I'm a little skeptical that he puts it together in the way that I, I know some fans want, you know, to be a, you know, star level player. I, I, I've always kind of thought he, his, you know, ceiling was kind of like a, a Swiss army knife three and D guy who can kind of do a little bit of everything, but isn't like an all-star level guy overall. So we'll see. Um, I guess I'll say, I guess I'll say no, just without knowing the, uh, that the, what trade offer necessarily would have been out there for him. That's totally fair. Completely fair. Next one, the bulls and DeMar DeRozan. So you can answer these together or separately, but they are Mm. due to take a step back this season. Uh, well, you know, I, I predicted them just be transparent. I predicted them for 43 wins in the eight seed. So by the numbers, if that prediction were to come true, it would be a step back in in terms of the win loss record in terms of the seating. Uh, so I'm more talking about the Bulls with that. So I'll separate that from DeMar. I just think with Lonzo being sidelined indefinitely now with the Zach thing, with how tough the East is, I'm not taking anything away from the win that they had yesterday. It was incredibly impressive. I just think over the course of a, of a season, I don't see them matching their win total from last year or exceeding it unless some things drastically change health-wise, which, which they very well could. The And the, the one caveat, we talked about this, and Will Purdue and I talked about this on our podcast today. One caveat I'd throw in there if the health improves over the course of the season, you could see the Bulls be three or four regular season wins worse than they were last season, but be better equipped for the playoffs. That That is possible. Uh, but then the caveat to that caveat is, well, shoot, if they're in the play and nothing's promised and you're not going to have a favorable first round matchup. Obviously, they didn't last year, but it, but it could be even worse this year. So I, I will agree that they're due to take a step back um, this year in, in terms of the, you know, the, the, the win loss record and the seeding and things like that. As far as DeMar goes, um, no, uh, I, I don't, I don't think so. Now, now could this, now he had a career high scoring average last year, 27.9 points a game. Could he average less points than that? Sure. Absolutely. But I think in, in the end, that actually could end up being better for the Bulls if there is a more even distribution. We'll see what happens with Zach here. Um, but no, in terms of his efficiency, in terms of, you know, him getting to his spots, in terms of him being one of the better closers, fourth quarter players in the league, shot creators. I mean, his game is just going to age so gracefully. I'm not going to predict a decline for DeMar DeRozan until I see it individually. Um, So I'll separate those two things. I'll agree with that. The Bulls could take a step back this year. DeMar, you know, even if it's 26 points a game this year, I still think efficiency wise, I still think in terms of stepping up in the biggest moments, I don't see him falling off from, from what he showed last year. I think my favorite part about DeMar is we always uh, talk about, negatively about athletes having rabbit ears right hearing everything demar hears everything and then literally turns it into fuel to go out and murder people on the floor it's great it's great stuff so um that's what the great ones do and then uh last one we'll get you out here on this one uh the bulls went all in on this core too soon uh you know let's see how the season plays out uh that one i, I think i could end up agreeing with uh, only because this se- again, I predict this season to end in the play-in tournament and in the low to mid 40s and wins. To me, it would be a very uphill battle to win a playoff round um, coming from that spot. Not saying that that's for sure going to happen. That's just my prediction. If that were to happen, and then you face the free agent decisions that you have this offseason, you got Kobe coming up, you got Pat eligible for an extension, you got Ios, a free agent, Javante's a free agent, Vooch, crucially, is a free agent. That two-year run for this core with the amount that they invested in this group, all the future draft picks coming right up to the luxury tax line and clearly not wanting to go over it. If the result of all of that is two first-round playoff appearances 
you know, and and you you bow out both times. I I don't think that would be successful. Um, and and I don't think they I don't think the front office would view it as successful because they've stated that they you know they want year over year improvement, and year over year improvement from last year would mean winning a playoff series. Um, so I think you could argue that the thing is there's nuance to it because I don't think that means that every move they made was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the collection of them has produced a group that I just personally don't see as like an elite contender in the Eastern conference. And yet when you look at their cap sheet, when you look at the future picks that they have invested, they've invested resources, similar resources that a lot of teams that are further along than them have, at least in my eyes. Um, so I think I do agree with that one. That said, I mean, personally, I think the biggest thing that kind of set this domino effect off is the Vooch trade. Mm-hmm. Not to say anything negative about Vooch as a player, but I think it's pretty clear that that trade was a massive overpay at the time. And, uh, or, or so it's a massive overpay looking back at it, I should say. Uh, and that kind of set off the chain of events that has led them to this point. Um, but that's why they play the games, right? I mean, I, I had them pretty well pegged last year. I had them at 45, 46 wins in the five or six seed. Um, they certainly flashed higher potential than that. And then the season cratered for a number of reasons. So I think the the view that this management regime is taking is let's see if we can get healthy and let's see if we can build on that early season success last year. Um, just until that happens, I'm a little bit reserved in terms of making uh, too many crazy optimistic predictions, given how tough the conference is. It is a very expensive gamble by this front office. He is Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. Follow him on Twitter at Rob underscore Schaefer. That's Rob underscore S-C-H-A-E-F. Read his stuff on NBC Sports Chicago. And of course, listen to him on the Bulls Talk podcast. Rob, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Josh. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, website, clockersports.com, and email address is clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Three Zeros Pod. That's the number three zeros and pod. If the result of all of that is two first round playoff appearances, you know, and, and you, you bow out both times, I, I don't think that would be successful.